It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. As always, I am joined by Brendan. And unfortunately, folks, I am back in the city of Los Angeles. So the Cubs-related podcast, at least for the time being, is back to being centered in the city that also is the home of the two-time straight World Series losers, the Los Angeles Dodgers. But we are coming to you on a Sunday, November 4th, and I was just looking through my Snapchat memories, actually, Brendan, and it reminded me that on this date, two years ago today, I was in Grant Park in Chicago, Illinois, surrounded by, I don't remember exactly the number that was reported on the news, but I believe it was a few million of my closest. It was five million. Yeah, so five million of my closest friends uh, around the city of Chicago <laughs> as Pat Hughes in a, what I remember, a, a beautiful sweater or maybe one of his fancy jackets was. Uh, it was a leather jacket, I That believe. sounds that about dark right. brown. Yeah. yeah. I just always envision him in the sweater, but. He was leading the rally at Grant Park as the Cubs completed their World Series parade. It was a very fun day. Uh, I think, you know, certain memories stand out from that. I I will never forget We Are the Champions blasting uh, in Grant Park as, as that rally ended and the Cubs were being doused in confetti with Lester holding the trophy, Travis Wood not wearing a shirt, etc. Uh, there was a lot of a lot of good memories that day. It was a very pleasant day in the city of Chicago, but we are now two years in the future, and we have a current team to discuss. So that is, of course, going to be the topic of discussion for today. We have a couple of roster moves. We have uh, another coaching change to uh, bring to you guys. And then 
We are going to get into, uh, which I think is, this might be a one-topic show, Brendan, which is a a little weird for us, uh, but it has been dominating the Chicago news cycle for uh, about a week or so here, uh, and that is the reports of the Cubs having some budgetary concerns, constraints, however you want to phrase it. Uh, So some interesting developments over the last several days that I don't really think any of us were anticipating or exactly prepared for as we're kind of reading these reports. Uh, And I know we wanted to do more of a comprehensive review of the 2018 season, but as these things have been playing out, it's just been kind of hard for us to divert focus from what is going on in the off season. Obviously, with the way the end of the season played out, with having uh, you know three straight games, the regular season finale, tiebreaker, wild card game, didn't really have time to do it. Then we've had you know Chili Davis fired, coaching changes, so. A lot to talk about uh, that has not really allowed us to do that. However, in discussing what the budget might be and how that might play a role in what the Cubs can do this offseason, I think we'll end up touching a good bit on who the Cubs are and, and who they were in 2018 and, and what they're bringing back for 2019 as it relates to what they would need to do in the offseason anyway. So hopefully a little bit of a hybrid there, but when we're reading all these reports from national beat writers, uh, bloggers uh, like our uh, frequent guest Evan Altman, who was reporting the same thing. And we got another one from David Kaplan today uh, as it relates to the Cubs budget. So I I think there's really not another direction that we can go other than to kind of try to figure out what in the world everybody is talking about. So uh, with that, uh, we will start and then I will kick it over to you, Brendan, with just some housekeeping issues. uh, And the, the, the first two on the list, uh, moves that are in conjunction with one another. Uh, the Cubs do, in fact, pick up the $20 million option on Cole Hamels, uh, something that a lot of us expected either for them to pick up that option or perhaps negotiate uh, maybe two, three-year deal to bring that annual average value down. Uh, but what the Cubs do instead of a longer deal is they send Drew Smiley back to the Rangers uh, as part of that deal, and they save a total of $7 million uh, from trading Smiley. I believe, as you told me, Brendan, that is $5 million against the luxury tax. So Cole Hamels mm-hmm. back on the Chicago Cubs on a one-year deal. And Drew Smiley, uh, who you may remember was rehabbing throughout the 2018 season, was kind of close to getting back there uh, in September, ultimately shut down. He goes to the Texas Rangers. So I will kick it to you there, Brendan, uh, and just some general thoughts on that before we get into uh, whatever in the world is going on with the Cubs. Oh, and the last thing, Andy Haynes, the Cubs assistant hitting coach, taking uh, the full-time hitting coach gig with the Milwaukee Brewers. So that is uh, the, the housekeeping issues as it relates to the Chicago Cubs uh, for this week. So Brendan, uh, I'm back in L.A. I know you could probably feel my presence when I got off the plane at LAX. Um, I knew something was off. Uh, I felt this weird feeling, and you know, I got a text message from you. I'm back yeah, in L.A. Something, That's something in the air, for sure. There, There is a cloud of something that follows me wherever I go. Uh, <laughs> but general thoughts on, on the Hamill-Smiley move, uh, and then we will kind of introduce this budget situation, if, if you will. The Hamels 
deal, if you want to call it that, $20 million, right? But when you consider the deal with Smiley back to Texas, then it's kind of a $15 million cut against the luxury tax. So where we are now, uh, last podcast, we kind of gave you a rundown of all the different luxury tax tiers and the penalties and the consequences. So just as a friendly reminder, if you will, so right now the Cubs are already over the luxury tax for 2019. And as it stands, they are currently $16 million over that luxury tax. So the luxury tax is at uh, $206 million. Right now, they are $222 million after signing Cole Hamels. Uh, so that's that's going to be a big tax. So they pay 22%. Over every dollar from 22 million to 206 million. That's, that's quite a bit of money there. And to be honest with you, it's really, really difficult, Corey, to figure out how the Cubs can move around other salaries to sign more players. And we're going to get into this. This is going to be a very busy podcast, I guess, if you want to call it that. But I'm looking at the payroll. I can't find guys who are in the same tier as like a Drew Smiley that you can just ship off. Uh, people have talked about Jason Hayward. They've talked about Tyler Chatwood, maybe having other teams eat like half that salary, but still like it's difficult to even trade those guys and eating all that money for Jason Hayward, for example, seems almost just not worth it. So that's where I am, Corey. It's, it's kind of a weird situation because, uh, for 2019, yeah, they are kind of constrained, and but after 2019, they have a ton of flexibility, and it opens back up again. It's just this one year is really pounding them down. Right. So I, I, I guess we'll let's just get into it. And we have heard from anyone from David Kaplan to Buster Olney on the national level, where we're just seeing these reports all over the place that the Cubs are dealing with uh, some financial constraints. And I, I, I don't believe that we have gotten any specific numbers or exact clarification on what that might be. We, we don't know if that's a, a particular number, a particular tier of the luxury tax. We're not really sure, but Lots of lots of smoke uh, coming out. I, I don't necessarily know if that means that there is a fire, but you know, you know the old adage, right? So, just a lot of people talking, and you know, you're getting reports from you know, quote unquote, rival executives. I think that's who Buster Olney was referring to. You know, just saying that he's getting the sense that the Cubs do not have a, a sort of blank check situation as it relates to this offseason and if they are planning on doing some maneuvering say for very expensive players like Bryce Harper or Manny Machado they're going to have to be very creative in how they do it and ultimately move around some payroll to make that happen so there has been a right. ton of talk trying to figure out what in the world that means where that would be coming from why would these reports be coming out so i think we're going to try to do our best to figure that out again the reports are not specific they they do not say you know tom rickett says that they are not going over the third tier of the luxury tax or they're not spending more than right. you know say 220 million dollars some some arbitrary number we have heard nothing about that 
it's it's just simply you know not, people getting the impression that the cubs are not just going to back a a dump truck full of money up to say Bryce Harper and ignore the consequences and it's all you know cash and it's like the the beginning of ducktales where the the one jumps into that pile of gold coins <laughs> that that's the impression that people are getting so the right. the, the first thing that I guess I would ask you, Brendan, is what what is your general read on these reports? Because, you know, the, the David Kaplan report coming out, it, they're all very similar, the, the, these reports. They haven't really varied to much of a degree. Uh, but his coming out today, some of them coming earlier in the week, what is your general sense on why what what's going on here? Do you think that this is because I, you you see a lot of theories as to what what is happening here, and right. I, I think the the most the the two largest contingents that at least I'm seeing on social media or you know in reading comments on articles and Reddit et cetera, trying to just gauge public perception on this is either a this is nuts. The Ricketts cannot possibly put financial constraints on the front office while you have uh, two potentially generational talents at a very young age finally available with the notion that at least one of them in Harper probably has his eye to a degree on the Chicago Cubs, right? We, you know, we've talked about all the, the kind of clues to that over the years before, and if Ricketts is doing this, he's nuts. Get your pitchforks, get your torches, and show up at Wrigley Field because you know we've got to to protest or something. You know that seems to be one of the largest contingents. The the other contingent seems to be this has to be a ruse. They would benefit perhaps from maybe Scott Boris or, or the players or agents thinking that they have to be mindful with their money and, you know, not to come in with crazy demands and maybe for other teams to just not expect the Cubs to be involved and maybe they can fly under the radar. Those are the, those are the two biggest groups that I see as it relates to this. Uh, again, with nobody knowing the exact mm-hmm. specifics. So do you, what, what is your read on exactly what is happening here? So it's really really weird for me to, to to have to talk about this to be honest with you because it's been like we've had now what seven years of this financial freedom uh, i guess with the ability to sign almost whoever the front office wants to sign so it's weird i i was thinking in, in our discussions prior to coming on here like maybe this is like some leaks from other front offices from other teams getting the hint the cubs are trying to sell off some of their players and kind of using that as leverage, I guess. That's another thought. I I, I don't know. Like, Evan came to us, Corey, and he, he posted this on Cubs Insider, too. But basically, Evan had this information um, actually prior to a lot of these big-time reporters, which is, is, is rare, but it's kind of cool. So we knew about this for a while now. And at first, I was kind of in denial for many of the reasons you said, like, there's no way, there's no way we've gotten to this point, And all of a sudden the front office is being restricted by rickets with two generational talents on the market. There's no way that would happen. But looking at it closer, like, I don't know, man, maybe, maybe they got a point here. So if they sign 
Bryce Harper or Manny Machado, I'm operating under the assumption they're going to get $35 million per year, at least $35 million per year. You can play around with a few million there, but I, I think that's what it's going to be. If that's the case, Corey, they go currently from 222 to 255, 255 million. They go above the very last luxury tax tier, which means, you ready for this? They have to pay $58 million, around $58 million in luxury tax penalties, okay? That's a lot of money, and they move back 10 draft slots. So you can see, actually, even from a front office point of view and the ownership point of view, you have to ask the question, does signing Bryce Harper restrict yourself, or Manny Machado, restrict yourself from improving holes on the team? And right now, one of the holes is a lack of pitching depth. One of the holes is an unreliable bullpen. And one of the holes in the next few years is this uncertainty that you can continue to develop these pitchers. So it's possible they will have to go in 2020, 2021, 2022, and sign similar players like they did with John Lester four years ago. So I can see what they're thinking here. I really can. It's it's a lot of commitment for at least the immediate 2019 year to pay about $60 million in penalties to sign Bryce Harper. Uh, my, my overall thought about this, though, and, I, and this is, I think, where the conversation will turn, is if they do decide to go after Bryce Harper and sign him, they may not get that flexibility and relief in 2019 by trading around some of these guys on their current roster. But after this year, like they don't have really any money committed for 2020 and 2021. Specifically for 2020, they only have like $110 million committed, even factoring in arbitration and Qtana's option. So they have a ton of flexibility after this year. They may have to eat it this year. And that might be the meat of the discussion here is, are they willing to eat 2019 and prohibit themselves from getting more pieces at the trade deadline to get Harper or Machado and try to roll the dice there? That's kind of the discussion. Because if they want to do that, they have flexibility in 2020 and they can make moves if they want to, to stay below the luxury tax going forward, Corey. Right. And so here, here's one part of this discussion that I, I at least want to get out there. And I, and I think Brendan is in lockstep with me. I don't want to speak for you, Brendan, but I, I think we're on the same page here. Neither of us are interested in hearing about a family that is worth multiple billions of dollars not wanting to pay, you know, a $50 million, $100 million, whatever it is, penalty, okay? Nobody's interested right. in that. I, I, again, I uh, you guys know I'm a season ticket holder. My price keeps going up. I, I'm not thrilled reading these reports because I'm looking at this going, I don't want to hear it, right? That being said, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't really matter. It's their business. If if it if it turns out that these reports are true and it's because Ricketts is just like, we're not going over this number, we're not paying for it, that's just the way it is. You can look at basically every other team. I think there's been, what, a couple teams over the luxury tax in the last couple of years? And the Dodgers, Yankees, Red right. Sox, yeah. Nationals, yeah. That's just the way it is. Talk to the Milwaukee Brewers who spend $90 million a year on their payroll, right? Or the Pittsburgh Pirates who missed opportunity after opportunity because they weren't willing to spend to kind of improve what their core had already built. 
I'm not. I, so I, I just want to throw that out there as like nothing that we're going to say is meant to defend billionaires from you know potentially penny pinching, if you will. Right? We're not trying to defend that, but I, I don't. I guess I just don't know how useful it is in, in, in conversational purposes to spend that much time, you know, railing against that that potential situation because it's not my business. If that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. And, and, and to be fair, like we don't know the ins and outs of running a professional organization, right? Like you look at the cost benefit, whatever. I'm not in business. I don't know what I'm talking about here. But at the end of the day, like we don't really know these nuances. So we can look at luxury tax. We can look at what it does for penalties and $60 million. It's not that black and white. There's a lot of gray area. And you look at what you could be making back in return from Rickett's point of view, and it may not be worth it. It may not be worth to go out and get Harper. And that's just the way it is. But I think, like you said, Corey, it's not, it doesn't make sense to argue, well, he's worth billions of dollars. Should he go out and spend money? That's not worth a discussion because you just don't know. You're an outsider looking in. We're fans. We have no idea. So it's not, it's just not worth talking about whether or not a billionaire should pony up and spend an extra $60 million. Right. And, 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 you know, again, like I I think all of us, like nobody is, you know, oh, woe is the rickets, right? Like nobody's thinking that, you know, but it's, it's not our money. So we can't sit here and, you know, I want them to spend as much money as possible for the Cubs to win the World Series every single year. I think that's a pretty obvious conclusion for both of us, and I would assume most of you guys listening. I would be surprised if a lot of you guys listening are being cheap with somebody else's money. Right. But but it, I, I, will, I will say, though, like, where you have these thresholds set by ownership, that's the way it is. And as a president of the baseball operations with Theo, like you got to play with those, with those boundaries. And Theo, look, Theo knew and the front office knew that this was a possibility, right? Like this, this is not, I I would be shocked if they were blindsided and all of a sudden Rick is like, Oh, you know what? You can't do it now. No. And just, just to go and continue that thought, Rick is, they're spending money. Theo, he's spending money. They have a 20, or a $222 million commitment for next year. So they knew when they signed Darvish, when they signed and they traded for uh, uh, Kinsler, and when they got Cole Hamels, they knew this is a very realistic possibility that they are going to blow above this luxury tax and prohibit themselves from getting other pieces. They, they knew. So this is, not, this is not, one, a shocker that they're in this situation, and two, they have a plan to handle this. And if the plan is to not get Bryce Harper... So be it. They still have tons of talent. They have tons of flexibility for 2020. And if they, I don't know. I Do you know what I'm trying to say, Corey? Like, I, I feel as if this is not a surprise to the front office. And no, I they, would be very, they, I, I think that right. we've seen that their working relationship does not give us any signal that there's some sort of, you know, blindsiding news coming to them. I, I, I just think that especially when you look at all the moves they've made, I would be shocked if some of those moves are made not knowing how it might affect the future. I mean, that's, like, that's, can that's I, how can... you have to run a department like this. You have to be thinking of the future. We've talked for years about how important it is to consider everything with the fact that you may have to pay Chris Bryant an absurd amount of money in a few years if you want to keep him. So, I mean, we right. if, if we're all thinking that when everything happens, assuredly the ownership and, and front office are on the same page there. 
So looking at those contracts too, like you said, uh, I, I just want to lay down the groundwork for why they're even being restricted. And we can talk about this too. It's, it's For me, it kind of hurts. But when you look at Kinsler's contract, $5 million to the luxury tax next year. Uh, you look at Brian Dunsing, $3.5 million to the luxury tax. Tyler Chatwood, he has $13 million to the luxury tax. And then smaller guys like Montgomery and Lestella through arbitration, they're about $2 million each. The, the point being is when Theo went out and traded for Brandon Kinsler last year, he knew and everyone knew it was a strong possibility that that $5 million would be counted towards 2019. And even with Brian Dunstan, you knew that 3.5 would be counted towards 2019. You committed $9 million, $9 million to 2019 to get those guys. And look, it blew up in your face. Tyler Chatwood, too, with the, with the 13, blew up in your face. And that's the risk they took. And I have a hard time, Corey, in my mind. Maybe I'm crazy here, but I have a hard time thinking that Theo, Jed, McLeod, everyone involved in that front office, they have, what, I would say maybe 50, 100, over 100 people working in this front office. There is no way on earth they would risk Brandon Kinsler and Brian Dunstein's money for 2019 for Bryce Harper. There's no there's no way in the world they would consider, oh, you know, right. let's trade for Brandon Kinsler. But you know what? Man, that could really restrict us from Bryce Harper. They knew. And they knew this was the situation. And if they have an idea of how to make this clean for 2019 and go out and get Bryce Harper, I feel like they could. But the conversation could be whether or not they need to or they want to or if it makes sense. Right. And, you know, part of part of me, too, I I genuinely don't believe that, like, Ricketts, Tom, knows that the money— for all of this, is in the team being good. We hear all the time, you know, even when the Cubs are bad, the fans still show up, and that's, you know, partially true. It's not always true. You can find plenty of footage of Wrigley Field with nobody in the stands. Yeah. But the money and and this culture, I mean, I, I remember even being there in the early portions, you know, June of 2015. It wasn't like it is now where there's this this massive cubs culture and you know you have now the 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 area being improved and and people pouring in there you know hours before the game but like they know the money is in making the playoffs and winning championships they know that you make a ton of money selling world series gear being in the world series and that that is and and you know they they build these clubs in Wrigley Field now. There's I think two of them around the ballpark. You make a lot of money when people have to pay to get into those clubs for you know what one and a half times the regular season ticket price. Like that's a huge profit to be had by making the playoffs and maintaining that. So I part of me just doesn't believe that wherever this news is coming from that it's coming from Ricketts saying no this is this is what we're spending and if we get bounced in the wild card we get bounced in the wild card cuz that's that's not a good business decision so I, I don't i was very confused reading all of these reports and i've read several articles uh trying to 
decipher why this might be out there, who's putting it out there, etc. Um, but I would be really shocked if we got to, say, the Cubs convention or something, and Tom Ricketts is up there at one of the panels and just saying, yeah, we just didn't want to spend any more money. I, <laughs> I There's just a part of me that doesn't believe that uh, because it's right. not a smart business decision. And that ultimately, if we're talking about saving money, like the bottom line is also affected by the team not winning as much. And, you know, for for the culture that they have and, and all of the, the cash flow that comes in with the the way things are right now, like if, if this team isn't good and, and this team misses the playoffs, say, or whatever, like it, it's not the same. And, and it might be you know, splitting hairs on the overall bottom line, you know, especially when you're talking about a family with such a high net worth. But ultimately, it does make a difference. Those extra playoff rounds and just the general interest in the product changes when you have more expensive ticket prices, food is more expensive, just the whole experience is more expensive. The team has to be good to match it. They have to be good. They have to win. It's the only way that this process sort of sustains itself. So I... In reading all these reports, it's possible that they can believe all of that but not want to pay, you know, a certain level of penalty, perhaps. But I I just, I, in in deep down, I believe that Tom Ricketts knows this team has to be good and that, you know, not winning the division and getting bounced in a wild card is not good enough and also not— good for their overall not as good excuse me for their overall bottom line so i don't i don't necessarily know where that all you know how this all balances out but i i just have a hard time believing that it's it's a a pure like we need to save this money I, i don't care what it means for the roster like i think if any owner understands the implications of this particular free agent class and, and what it could mean to the roster and, and, and just overall everything. I, I think Tom Ricketts is that guy, and perhaps we're naive to think that, but I, I don't know. That's, that's just my general read on the, on, on the situation. So this is a startling number. The Cubs in 2016, after they won the World Series, guess how much money they received that they could disperse to the players just from the World Series, excluding the NLDS and NLCS, how much do you think? You know, I love playing this game, but how much money do you think they made total that they could disperse to players? I have no idea. $100 million. I know, it's hard. Nah, I thought it would be around there too. But basically, for the entire playoffs, it was around $80 million just in player shares, Corey. Think about that. If they dispersed $80 million just to the playoffs or just to the players from that playoff year, how much money do you think the owners and right. the front office and, and so on? How much money do you think they're making? A lot of money. So they, they're, they're not dumb. Like, don't operate. And this is a dangerous thing, too. Don't operate as a fan under the assumption that Tom Ricketts and the ownership group are idiots. They're not. They're, they're smart people. They hired the right people. Look at what they've done in the past five years. Remarkable what they've done. They're not dumb. So if this, if they, and this is a collaborative effort, too. Like, if Theo goes to Tom's like, you know, Tom, we got to do this. We have got to get Harper they're going to figure it out. That's kind of where I'm at with that. Um, but, Corey, I just want to ask you a question here. Do you think the Cubs will go out and get Harper? Just gut feeling, what do you think right now? Well, no. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm i reading all of this, and my read on it is no. I, I 
especially the, the, the main thing for me, I think, is because this is so different than, say, the Udarvis situation in that, I mean, obviously in for what way? a number of reasons, but but the, the, the main thing that strikes me is that you, you know, no questions asked, there are going to be at least a few other heavy hitters immediately involved in this process. And that is why the Cubs ended up in on Darvish is that they felt they were getting him at below, you know, true market value. And again, when we're talking about this, you know, you can save the, well, you Darvish was bad, blah, blah. We know. All right. We all watched it. But in reality, before he signed the contract, they got him for below market value. So, that's not going to happen with Bryce Harper. You you already know that teams like the Dodgers, the Phillies, the Yankees say they're out, but nobody believes them, and they'll be in on one of them, probably Machado. But you just know, and you're hearing too the Cardinals as well, too. right? And and it's just it's just different. This is not going to be a waiting game of well, you know, maybe we want Bryce Harper, but only if the price comes down. That's not what's going to happen. People are going to unload money. They're going to be ready to do it. Boris, you know, we talked about this last time, was talking about how he's ready to do it, you know, trying to get this done quickly. So it's it's not going to be the same situation. So when I'm reading this stuff with the payroll, I'm thinking, no, like I, I unless unless we are really in a reality where Bryce Harper is so dead set on playing for the Chicago Cubs that they can figure out a way to make this work. I just can't imagine if the Phillies were like, all right, you want 10 years, 400 million dollars done. Like, I just can't imagine that we're in a scenario where if the Cubs are trying to, uh, you know, come in under that or make it work for them, I, I just don't really believe that Bryce is going to be like, yeah, no, screw it. I want to play for the Cubs. I don't, I don't care about, you know, the extra money. So my my initial read on it is no, but that's that's where, and I kind of brought this up at the outset, that's where the, the, the kind of... Um, non-specific nature of these reports, I think, comes into play a little bit because I, I do want to clear up that the the reports are not that they cannot get Bryce Harper. The reports are that if they wanted to do it, they might have to be creative in how they make it work. So, right. it, so what is it, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to, to me? That means they would have to move some people around, and yeah, you, you know, you look at some of the contracts they have, and it might be difficult, but it may not be impossible. So the only the, the, the caveat I, I bring up with that, and I guess I can ask you what you think about this, is, is when I think sure. about that and I think, okay, they didn't explicitly say they are not going to spend any money. What it sounds like is perhaps they don't want to blow past perhaps that third level – uh, the third right. threshold of the luxury tax, and that's how I interpret it. Right, like I, I, I said, there are two, guys. There are two hundred twenty-two million. They already spent money, so the, the the idea that they're withholding money is not true. They're two twenty-two. That's that's where I'm coming from. Right, and so my initial read on this, it's gotten a little more pessimistic as we keep reading these reports. But my initial <laughs> read on this was that they're not. Th- th- these reports are not suggesting that they're not going to spend. They could spend on Bryce Harper, but they then need to move some of that money away. So in theory, they would still be spending, but the overall bottom line would not be improve, you know, uh, increasing by that much. So the thing I want to ask you though, and, and, and this is when we're looking at these reports, why they might be coming out, who's putting them out and to what end if you were thinking, okay, we can get Bryce Harper, maybe we've talked to Scott Boris, he wants to play here, 
why would you then make it known that you need to move people around? Because if I'm another team and I'm thinking, you know what? Jason Hayward was a little better at the plate. He's a great defender. We're a young team, you know, a a veteran leader uh, like that, you know, kind of fits what we're looking for. You know, maybe we've talked to our hitting coach. We kind of have an idea of what we can do to improve what he's been doing there. That might be of interest to some teams, right? However, especially if you're in the National League, I'm not... If I just read a report saying that the Cubs need to shed payroll to afford better players, I'm certainly not helping them out. I'm saying, good luck, Theo. You know, you figure this one out, right? Right. So I guess that's where I—if that were the scenario where they're going to try to make this work, but they're going to have to be very creative for how they do it— I don't think you put this report out there. Am I, am I am I reading that wrong, Brendan? So so let me let me rebound what you're saying. So I so I'm crystal clear here. You're saying there's a possibility that the Cubs are putting this out there as a way to let other teams know, hey, we're open for business. You want Jason Hayward? You want Tyler Chatwood? Come at me. Is that well, what you're saying? No, I'm saying that that would that this this would be a, a confusing way to do that because I'm saying if if other teams knew. Okay, the Cubs can get Bryce Harper, but only if somebody takes these contracts from them or, you know, kind of helps make them work. You wouldn't want people to know that because then if I'm, say, you know, I don't know, the Braves, right? I'm looking at that going, well, I'm not helping them. Like, we might have to deal with them if they get Bryce Harper. So, no, you you keep all these guys and you, you know, you figure out how to deal with this money. We're not helping you. So that's where I, that's what I was saying. I mean, you have more front office experience than I do. I have zero front office experience, so you may know more. But like from from my perspective, and some of the reports too, like we're hearing other executives suggest the Cubs will not spend. So using that same logic that you just used right there, like yeah, that could be a possibility. You make it known, like like full on that the Cubs have these restrictions. And if you talk business with them, you may open up the possibility that they can get better with Bryce Harper. And as a rival, like if you're the Phillies, if you're the Braves, if you're any of these other teams, if you, even if you're the Dodgers, anyone, right? You don't want to help them out. So I, I see what you're saying there. You kind of take away the leverage from the Cubs if the reports are actually coming from outside the organization. Is that, is that what you're saying? I'm just, I'm just wondering, I guess. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I look. I don't. I don't know how this game works, right? Like, I have no idea how this game works. It's possible that people in the Cubs front office are giving this information for whatever reason. I, I just don't know. It is. It is weird though, because this usually this front office is pretty tightly sealed. Like, we didn't hear anything from when they even got Jose Quintana that one time. We rarely hear anything about them going out and, and signing. Like, for example, the Darvish stuff, like they signed Darvish, but up until maybe a day or two before that, we didn't hear that much. Uh, so usually this front office is tightly sealed. So I don't, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, so, it's, it's just weird. Yeah. So another, there, there's a, there's some other theories if we're trying to kind of unearth why these reports might be out there, who, who, who benefits from them. Uh, one of them is that perhaps the Cubs do, and I said this kind of in the outset, that perhaps they can 
you know, not be looked at as a favorite, uh, you know, because you look at someone like Manny Machado and basically anything you read, it's like, oh, he's going to go to the Yankees. The Yankees want him. Yankees, Yankees, Yankees. And you heard that report about the Yankees not seriously considering them, though. Did you hear that? I thought that was just Harper. Uh, it might have been just Harper. I think Harper, that was just but... Harper. Either way, nobody cares about the Yankees. Mm-hmm. But my my point is, in a situation like that, if I'm Bryce Harper or Manny Machado or his agent, I'm saying, like, look, Cash, we, we you know, we know you want him to play there. So, you know, pony up the dough, right? Yeah. In in this situation, perhaps, perhaps the Cubs are trying to create a situation where they can get on the phone with Scott Boris. I can't imagine that this kind of tactic works with Scott <laughs> Boris uh, and say, look, like you read those reports. Those reports are true. You know, if you, if Bryce wants to play here, you're going to have to you're going to have to work with us a little bit. So that's that's one thought. Uh, then another thought uh, that I think uh, Evan Altman from from Cubs Insider was was working through, not necessarily one that he believed was the case, but he was he, he posted an article on CubsInsider.com with I think it was about like seven or eight why is this report out here and what might be the the reason for it? Uh, and this was one of the just sort of theories he, he spoke on for a minute. And that was that the Cubs front office is the one putting this report out there in order to kind of sort of throw ownership under the bus and just make it clear, you know, oh, if they don't yeah. pursue Bryce Harper – this was not Theo Epstein's decision. He was hamstrung, and don't look at us when we don't have Bryce Harper. That's a situation that's actually that's very concerning for me, though. I like over if the that last were the three, case, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, you, if that's here's the thing, if that actually is reality, we have a bigger issue at hands. If you have disconnect between the front office and the ownership group, that's a huge issue. And I hope and I pray to God that's not the issue. Because they've been so collaborative and open, and Theo's been granted his flexibility his entire tenure. So that's the case. We got a bigger issue here. I don't personally think that's the case. I don't think you think that's the case. No, and neither uh, did Evan. Yeah, and I, I I mean, look, of course it's a possibility. We just don't know. It's also possible. I, I, I think what you're saying with the Cubs creating the impression that they're not in it as a way to suppress the asking price or what he could potentially make from other teams that's a possibility there's so many different theories out there i have i have no idea and the reality of the situation is what we're talking about probably isn't that black and white there is this is multifaceted why this is out there but kaplan to olney to rosenthal to you know even evan altman like Multiple different reports. There's something, something's going on. The front office is so tightly sealed. It's so bizarre that all these different writers from different areas, even Patrick Mooney, that they have this information. Something, something is going on here, you know? And, you know, just to reiterate, if we do find and then ultimately have the discussion that the ownership just wasn't willing to spend, this is where the limits are, you can bet that my season ticket rep is going to get an email from me that's, that's pretty angry. Like, you had better stop raising my ticket prices if the ownership isn't going to spend all this money on players. So, again, I just want to reiterate that (laughs) at no point are are Brendan and I, like, you know, trying to uh, defend the wallet of a billionaire. That's not what's happening. But, uh, again, and I think we've talked about this uh, in, in baseball terms for other things, like, ultimately, 
sometimes there's there's practical conversations and there's not practical conversations. And I think spending a bunch of time on on how much money they spend and and you know just sort of like a general capitalism conversation it it's not really that productive for us or for you guys it's it's Rickett's money and if ultimately it comes out that that's who's making this decision and he just doesn't he just wants to make more money there's nothing we can do about it like you what are we going to do right are yeah. we going to we're yeah. going to stop watching we're going to stop going like maybe some people will i'm not <laughs> like i'll complain a little bit about it and you know whatever but that's that's just what it is so i i just you know again i just don't want any of this conversation to make it seem like that's chill with either of us but we're just trying to i think approach it from a pragmatic sense of he's the one who owns it he's the one who makes these decisions and there that's it there there's no yeah. you know an, an angry letter from a season ticket holder is not gonna make him go oh you know what all right write the 40 million dollar check per <laughs> year for bryce you're right the fans are angry like they don't care and the other thing that i don't think we touched on brendan was we've heard a lot about this potential cubs network that this tv network deal we've been hearing this for years we haven't heard as much about it and i would imagine that if there is you know a fire where this smoke is coming from that that has something to do with it. It, it, it I, we were I think supposed to hear some more finalizing details, and if that deal is either not happening or is delayed or is perhaps not as lucrative as they thought, then that would obviously play a role in this. And it you know it 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 sometimes that's just a timing thing where it would just be bad timing that that was happening now. While as you've pointed out, the the current payroll is so high. Who knows, right? That's that's the problem, and I think that's why we're trying to kind of uh, pick up each rock here and and, and look underneath everything because these reports are not very specific. They don't say whose decision this is. They don't say what the uh, spending limit might be uh, in any sense. So we're we're just sort of trying to, again, leave no rock unturned and kind of try to figure out what is going on here. But, Brendan, I think that's a good— spot to transition at least a little bit because it's the same I, I think it's the same conversation so let's for the the rest of this podcast i suppose let's operate under the assumption that they do not have the money to pursue bryce harper or manny machado okay so now so th- this is this is the do? team you're looking at the rest of the free agent pool is the rest of the free agent pool what how does that Let's operate under this mindset that these these reports are true and that there is some serious budgetary limits. What are we thinking about this offseason? And as I mentioned in the beginning, you're kind of looking back at that 2018 team, you know, and remembering, right? They win 95 games. They barely lose the division. uh, And you can sort of throw out all sorts of alternate timelines, right? If they don't have to play whatever it was, 30 days in a row, uh, maybe they don't, you know, lose one extra game, and they do win the division, right? Uh, you have right. you Darvish contribute basically nothing. You have Tyler Chatwood basically contribute negative something, and Chris Bryant, who is one of the best players in the league, is you know a total shell of himself for the time that he's even on the field, uh, and he dealt with multiple injuries. So, so where would you look at this team now and and headed into this off season if we're saying? These big spendings, it's not going to happen. Get over it, right? You can, again, you can grab your your, uh, pitchfork and head to Wrigley Field and wait for Tom Ricketts to come out of the office, but 
this is what it is, and we we still need to to put a competitive team on the field and win the division. Okay, well, the Cubs won 95 games without Chris Bryant and Hugh Darvish last year, right? So, and they, they had their closer missing for half the season as well. That's an incredible accomplishment, and everyone from that team is essentially coming back with, hopefully, knock on wood, hopefully with health, right? If Chris Bryant comes back next year and puts up the same stat line as he did in 2018, he's injured again, and we have a bigger problem to talk about. I don't think that's going to be the case. You can never assume that someone's going to be injured going forward, right? So I, if this is the team going into 2019, so be it. They're going to be competitive again. They're going to compete for the division again, and they're going, they're going into the year now with Cole Hamels for the entire season. They didn't have that last year. If you remember, that rotation in the first half was a mess. They could barely get it through the fifth inning. Remember that, Corey? Like that, and so I, I still think they're going to be fine if they decide this is the guys who they're going to go into 2019 with. And if you get rebounds from Wilson Contreras, that's great. I don't know if you can count on that necessarily, given what you saw last year and just the, the uncertainty for a lot of these young players in general, but they have the talent. And I, again, they're at $22 million right now. And if they don't subtract from the team to avoid more penalties, so be it. There's other guys out there who they can consider getting. And even in the outfield, for instance, you have guys like Andrew McCutcheon and A.J. Pollock. And, oh, my God, John Jay is on this list. Disgusting. But uh, you have guys who, you know, you could pony up and spend maybe $10, 12000000 million and improve your team. So there's ways to improve the team. Believe it or not, Corey, there's ways to improve the team without shelling out $35 million for Machado or Harper. They can still do it. As far as my comfort level going into going into 2019 uh i i've learned i maybe this is over the last three to four years just because some of these risks have not panned out i i've learned like you can't rely on chatwood whatsoever in my mind chatwood is a non-factor for 2019 and unfortunately and this is this may be very different than how you guys listeners how you think but in my mind I'm not counting on you, Darvish, guys. I, I know I, I love the talent and I pray to God he's healthy, but my issue comes back to whether or not he can he can sustain a 200-inning season plus the playoffs. I don't know if he can do that. Two major arm injuries in three to four years, that's, that's a huge issue for someone his age. So I don't know. I don't think in my mind I'm counting on you, Darvish, but I am counting on Kyle Hendricks. I am counting on Jose Quintana. I am counting on Cole Hamels, and yeah, I'm counting on an aging John Lester, but I'm counting on guys in the AAA tier to make an impact finally, okay? We need Albert Alzole to come on up. We need guys like Dwayne Underwood to produce. We It's time to translate some of these guys in the mid-tier to the upper tier of the system, uh, developmentally, to major league value. It's time for that. And I think we we might be seeing that going forward but if this again i guess just to sum up my thoughts here if they don't go out and get harper it would be risky but baseball such a weird wacky sport that if this is a team to go into for 2019 i mean the the variance in projection still would put them around 95 to 100 wins believe it or not it's whether or not you feel comfortable 
projecting some of these guys' health, and that's what it comes down to. Is Darvish going to be healthy? Is Lester going to withhold any injury-related or age-related injuries? Is Chris Bryant's shoulder going to be healthy? That's the meat of the discussion here. I think you're never going to get a concrete answer with that. And so that's the wackiness of baseball in these projections. But if they're healthy, this team is going to be probably the best team in the National League going into the season or rather in the discussion as one of the best teams in the National League. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing for me is, you know, and again, going back to, I think, your point earlier of it's it's very doubtful that the front office was blindsided by any sort of payroll issues or anything. But we heard Theo pretty relentlessly in his end of the season press conference talk about that the offense needs fixing and that the offense was not good enough and that it was certainly very disappointing at times. So I would think that he was not saying that and then a week later was told, oh, by the way, you know, you don't have any money to to do what you need to do. I, I would think that that is not the case uh, yeah. or we would have a much bigger organizational problem on our hands. You know, you know what I was thinking about, though, as I'm just talking out loud and thinking out loud, essentially, if the Cubs and we've heard reports, too, and suggestions and fans and people on Twitter want some of this to happen, but. For example, trading, let's say, Kyle Schwarber or trading Ian Happ or Albert Almora, right? That's not going to be for salary relief because if you look at Happ and Almora, they're not making money yet. And Schwarber is barely into arbitration. So those aren't salary relief moves. And if they are trading guys like that, Corey, what do you think they're going to get back? They're going to get back immediate major league value. Makes no sense to trade major league value for prospects, right? So they're going to get guys back if they decide to trade from that tier of their current players who are immediate impacts. And more than likely, those guys are going to be making money. They're not going to be in the same tier as like a 22, 23-year-old. If you're going to trade in half, you're going to get immediate value back. That's how it works. If that's the case, then then maybe that's where you fix the team, quote-unquote fix the offense, as Theo said. Maybe it's not through Bryce Harper. And maybe some of these salary relief moves are going to be so you can go out and trade Kyle Schwarber and Albert Amora or Ian Happ for some immediate impact. And that's maybe where the discussions should be leaning. Maybe we shouldn't be putting all of our eggs in one basket with Bryce Harper. When Theo said, it's time to start evaluating guys in terms of production and not talent. So it sounds like this is not a Bryce Harper situation. This is a discussion of whether or not the Cubs have the payroll necessary to tr- even trade these guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, if right. you want to trade Schwarber, you need to play. I'm sorry, you need the payroll flexibility to get back that person who you trade Schwarber for. So that's that's maybe where the discussion should go towards. And yeah, trading someone like Smiley five million dollars for 2019 does make a difference when you trade someone who's not making that much money for, and you trade Schwarber to get that person. Maybe that's where the discussion needs to go. Right. And, you know, it, it, right. It's ultimately a discussion of, you know, what ultimately do you need to improve on this team and how do you get this team to be at its best? And, you know, we've also seen you, you do also need some flexibility during the season, perhaps to make moves. We've seen this team add plenty of money throughout uh, some of these regular seasons. So every single year they've been right. in playoff contention, they've done that. So, and, you know, so, you know, if I think that Part of the reason that Bryce Harper is so appealing, aside from just 
you know, being 26 and, and continuing to put up really massively productive seasons, even in 2018, when it might have been a down year for him, he's still massively productive. The the I, I think that the, the main appeal for him is that the outfield has been particularly inconsistent and not really reliable from a production standpoint. And obviously, you plug mm-hmm. Bryce Harper in there, you know, you maybe move Hayward to center or, you know, however you want to structure that outfield, you know, all of a sudden it feels more stable and consistent and, and you're not really worried about that. But that that is the area to me that I I am focused on in this offseason and I think is going to be the most interesting because I understood and I, I think mostly agreed with uh, in the last offseason with saying, you know what, we have all this young positional player talent, it literally just won us a World Series, and let's see what these guys can do, and if we can kind of develop them into closer to everyday players, and, you know, see what happens, because, and you're going to hear this probably a lot over the next few years, uh, but Javi Baez is going to be the key example of, of this stuff, that it does not take a year in the majors to necessarily reach your ceiling and to kind of get it all figured out, right? Because I think you look at some of these guys yeah. like Schwarber, Hap, Amora, they are nowhere close to the amount of plate appearances that Javi Baez had before he really took off and put together a year like he did in 2018. It's it's not close. So yeah. I understood wanting to give these guys a chance, wanting to see what these guys could do. Uh, you know, Schwarber obviously coming back in, in really good shape, uh, Ian Happ being so young, lighting up spring training. I, I thought it made sense. But I think going into this season, after you've just had the the offensive catastrophe, if you will, that you did in the second half of 2018, you can't do that again. So you, you cannot go into a year where you're platooning Schwarber, Elmora, Hap, Hayward in the outfield. You, you cannot do it because that is a huge source of yeah. the inconsistency. And again, a lot of this hinges, and the Cubs offense would have been very different if Chris Bryant is Chris Bryant in that second half of 2018. So it's not to discount that. It's extremely important. Take the best player on any team and just make him considerably worse. It's a big deal. So, uh, you know, not to like brush that aside, but the the key area for me is that outfield you 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 have to get more predictable and stable consistent production somewhere in that outfield because we started to see better signs from jason hayward and ultimately by the end of the year it's a you know you're looking at about the same thing right (laughs) a a very similar batted ball profile sort of similar overall numbers even though they're slightly better they're they're it's it's not good enough to necessarily uh act like that's fine and you know you had just general inconsistencies from those other three i thought schwarber put together a very good year i think you know just given who he is and and the and the, the type of player that he is I, I thought he had a very good year um but when it's all combined together you just need better production than that. You know, and that's, we also, I don't think we've talked about Wilson Contreras, who, you know, just is better than what he showed in 2018. Well, you know, we can probably debate 
the source of that? Did it have a lot to do with Chili Davis? Did it have a lot to do with how many innings he's catching and, and sort of growing into that role of being the starting catcher and being responsible for handling the pitching staff? And like you mentioned, Brendan, you know, the pitching staff struggled in that first half, and that weighs on the catcher, too. It's a huge part of his responsibility. So, you know, you need him and Chris Bryant to get back, but but that's the area of focus to me uh, is that outfield because, again, I'm not the one that, you know, we all watch the offense, but I'm not the president of baseball operations as much as I tried to be. And I didn't spend an hour in a press conference talking about how bad the offense was and how it needs to get better and, you know, that changes were coming. And, you know, you you cannot go into a season expecting moving hitting coaches to all of a sudden I, – I guess the, the, the point I'm making is that to ultimately bank – on a return to production or a, a reaching of projected production for so many of these guys, that is a huge mistake. And I and, and I think that is kind of wrapping this whole conversation together in that, again, if it ultimately is the case that Tom Ricketts does not want to spend over a certain threshold, and that leads the Cubs to banking on a return, you know, Chris Bryant being healthy, Wilson Contreras returning to what we expect him to be, Schwarber, Almora, Hap, Hayward, etc., you know, reaching a different level of production, that is a huge mistake. This team is in a very competitive window. The the rest of the National League is not loaded, at least right now, like the American League is with some of these top-heavy, just massively talented teams, and you have the core, you have the youth, to make this work and to bank on it working again like it did in 2016, you know, with so many young guys just hitting such high levels of production, a massive, massive mistake. So I don't, I don't know what they're able to do. You know, you look at someone like even like Andrew McCutcheon and that, if we're looking at all these numbers, that even that looks kind of complicated if we don't know exactly where these thresholds are and what these, these spending limits might be. Uh, but somehow, some way, right? Theo has to get more consistency in that offense. So that's that's what I'm looking at. That's the most interesting thing to me. And, and again, I think why Bryce Harper is so appealing, because you, you throw him in one of those positions, you move one of the outfielders uh, for maybe some uh, bullpen arms, some talent there, and, you know, you kind of feel like you're you're fixing things a little bit. So, But in absence of that, and in absence of being able to spend that much money, it's going to be very interesting to see how Theo lives up to the kind of railing against the offense that he was doing. Speaking of consistency, guys, this holiday season, how about giving your wife or girlfriend something totally different? I'm talking about the consistent enclosed. Enclosed is a service that gives something romantic that celebrates the unique connection between you and her. Enclosed is like a flower of the month or a beer of the month, but instead of flowers, she gets surprised with ultra high-end lingerie. And this is serious high-end stuff, the kind of quality that will really impress your lady. Enclosed was designed specifically to help guys find gifts for their wives. Enclosed is all about helping you make her happy. And Enclosed is effortless for you. Once you remember, every month Enclosed sends your wife or girlfriend a custom curated lingerie gift selected just for your lady. And they back the gift up with 100% size guarantees, so you never have to worry about fit. You can join more than 30,000 couples that love Enclosed, and I'll give you a little gift. Right now, you can get $20 off your Enclosed gift. 
Just go to enclosedlingerie.com, enter the promo code CUBSRELATED at checkout to get $20 off any enclosed gift. Why not give your wife something that really reflects and deepens the connection between the two of you? Something that you would never give your mother. That's enclosedlingerie.com with code CUBSRELATED for $20 off the best gift ever. Corey, as you're saying that, I'm thinking out loud here, and I, I agree with you 100% about the consistency of the outfield, but <laughs> that makes me more concerned just because, like, Ben Zobris, for example, gave you a ton of production last season. Can you rely on Ben Zobris doing that again? He's getting old, as we know. He'll be 38, and if he can't do that, then you have a hole in the middle infield, right? Like... Let's say Ben Zobris repeats 2017. What on earth is going to happen to second base? And I, I hate even thinking about this, but Javi had an incredible year. And I think going forward, he will have very sound projections. But to assume that Javi is going to be an MVP caliber player every year, year in and year out, might be kind of a stretch. I hate it might be kind of a stretch right now with that whiff profile consistently being a problem. You just don't know. Not saying he's, he's going to regress or whatever, but you just don't know, right? So now you have potential, uh, not holes, but not even concerns, but just a lack of projectability from your outfield, but from an aging second baseman and from your shortstop who is going to be very valuable. Don't get me wrong, but to assume that he's going to be worth, you know, five, six war next year. I don't know. I don't know if you can do that right now. <laughs> As we're talking out loud here, like I'm, I'm getting more anxiety thinking about this team. There, there, there's issues here. There are issues. I don't know how this team won 95 games or there are serious issues with, with how they can go about 2019 with the lack of projection from Amora, from app, from Schwarber, even though they still had, you know, sound seasons, but not the season you want. There are there are some risks here. I don't know. This is this is going to be a wacky offseason, man. I don't know where this team's going to go. I think this is about as bad of a scenario for Brendan as is, I mean, is really geez. possible. It just leaves geez. way too much room for worry <sighs> and and scrutiny. And we haven't even gotten to the bullpen yet. I mean, my God, Corey, what are we? Oh, it's going to be a long offseason, man. What are we going to do here? Well, I don't know what you're going to do, uh, but you're, you've already – Brendan has already worked himself into really a full lather here as far as most of this goes. I, you know, and I think it's, it's – it, and you clarified this at the beginning, but it, it is worth clarifying. Like, again, what we're doing here is nitpicking a team who is expected to win the division and ultimately trying to win a world championship every year. So when you, you, know, you hear Brendan say something like that, like we're not talking about like – that this team is going to all of a sudden be in last place or like competing with the Cincinnati Reds. But when what we're doing is, you know, 95 wins, we just saw it. It wasn't good enough. Like that's the situation that we're in. The Brewers are not going to stop trying to be at the top of the division. The Cardinals are not just going to accept being a middle of the road team in this division. The Dodgers are not going to stop spending money until they eventually stop losing the World Series. The Phillies are coming. They have a boatload of money. You know, the Braves are coming. So it, it it's not meant to seem like, oh my God, this team sucks. Like that's obviously not what anybody's <laughs> saying. Okay. I just yeah. want to clarify that because sometimes Brendan can feel extraordinarily negative. Uh, I don't know if you know that about yourself, Brendan, but so I'm ho, 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 yes. ho, 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 ho,
Okay. Uh, you can't, you know, say um, extraordinarily <laughs> negative and then not let me respond there. Uh, well, like, first off, yeah, it does sound negative. Um, but I'm talking in, in, in terms of projections, right? Like, if you're going to talk to me about Ian Happ and off the air, like, I've, I've talked a lot about Ian Happ just to you and Evan. Like, I like Ian Happ a lot. I like his ceiling a lot. But I'm realistic in terms of the projections. And even for Javi Baez, like, Steamer's projections just came out two days ago. They project Javi for a 334 Woba and three wins. That's totally fine. That's incredibly valuable for what they're paying Javi. And he probably will hit that. But do you think Javi will hit the 370 Woba and 130 WRC plus marker again next year? It's possible. Don't get me wrong. But we're talking about relying on that. And a major factor for that 95 win team was because Javi Baez yes. did that. So that's that's what I'm trying to no, say. No, I, I know what you're saying. Again, I'm just yeah. clarifying that what we're doing is breaking down the difference between a competitive playoff team and a team that is in a very strong position to win the World Series. That That's what right. we're doing. We're not... I'm just saying not to uh, take, you know, oh, the Cubs are in a terrible spot. They could be terrible. Like, that's not what anybody's saying. But they're, especially, again, when you have a National League that has some teams kind of bubbling back up to the top, there, there is a difference in being a competitive team. You know, the Rockies come to mind, and I think they come to mind because they beat the Cubs in that wildcard game. Like, they're a team that you look at and you say, Okay, like they're competitive throughout the year. They they spend some money on their bullpen, but very clearly, like they are not good enough to win a championship in in this league and get through the National League and then ultimately the American League. And so th- there's a a difference between competitive playoff teams, you know, succeeding and hitting that upper threshold of these teams are loaded and good luck to everybody that has to run into them. Yeah. So that's, like that's, it, that's kind of the difference. And again, yeah. you know, we've seen the Cubs have been good teams in 2017 and 2018, but that wasn't good enough. So, so that's yeah. where the conversation lies is how do we get from a competitive team, a team competing for the division, which I, I think no doubt the Cubs will be, but that, that is not good enough. And, and when you failed to reach your ultimate goal for the last two years, it does beg the question of, okay, how do we get back up to that level that they were in, in 2016? So I so 2016, right? So you look into that 2016 offseason prior to that World Series run. What did they do? They went out, they added Har- uh, Harper. They went out and added Zobris. They added Hayward. You knew what you were going to get. Hayward, unfortunately, had a bad year that year, but Zobris was exactly what you paid for. And you knew going into 2016, okay, I can slot in Fowler, for this amount of value, I can slot in Rizzo for this amount of value. That rotation was filthy. You knew 100%. I'm getting value from John Lester. I'm getting value from Jake Arrieta, and we're going to ride with that. They got a surplus with Kyle Hendricks. They got a surplus with Hamels. They did it. And their bullpen, too. They pieced everything together. They had a bunch of high arms. They knew that their projection, the, the variance in that projection was so narrow. They knew that they were going to hit that. And to get back to that level for 2019, can you believe we're talking about 2019 here? It's kind of weird. Uh, but to get back to that 2019 level, they need that consistency in the projections again. So what does that mean? Maybe it means going out and getting guys with track records that you know there's a very high floor. You're not going to get a complete disaster from someone. And maybe that means going out and signing like Andrew McCutcheon or going out and trading Schwarber to get someone like AJ Pollock back. Maybe that's what that means to get these consistent guys in. If that's the case, then that's the case. But I, I think right now, 
I'm kind of with you. And I think you and I would agree more than my tone is coming off on this podcast. But I think it's really risky to go in next season and bank on these guys who have just variable projections and who are still good as a baseline. But having Schwarber, Hap, Amora, and Hayward as your outfield next year with an aging Ben Zobrist and a Javi Baez, you know his profile, you got to get more consistent projections, guys. And what does that mean? I have no idea. But if you want to get back to that 2016 level, you need that consistency. And that's, I, I think, ultimately what, the, what Theo means when the offense broke somewhere along the lines. He doesn't want that to happen again. How do you not let that happen again? You get more guys like Ben Zobris like they did in 2016 at that point in his career. Get guys like Fowler at that point in, in his career. And you hopefully you bank on these young prospects who the Cubs still have coming up and providing value at a cheap price, which they can still do. Maybe that's the formula that they need again. Yeah, so okay, everybody feeling good? <laughs> was on. Was that part negative though, honestly? No, no, I just mean in general. I mean, I cuz like I think you and I both were of the mindset of yeah, like they should just go sign Bryce Harper. Like why why not, right? Did your does your mindset change after doing this podcast? I for me as I'm talking now throughout this entire hour and a half, I, my mindset has changed a little bit. In in what way? In terms of like my confidence going into next year, I think I started at started out the thirty minute marker being more confident than I am right now, just like talking out loud. Well, that's um, not surprising. <laughs> but I think it is. I think it does point back to that consistent projection. Didn't the Cubs outright Mike Freeman from the roster? Shouldn't you be at least sort of happy? Oh man, I was happy that we didn't have to mention Mike Freeman on this podcast ever again. Well, I think him being outrighted off the forty man is is uh, you know. If I can't bring him up, then when can I bring him up? I'll have, I'll have a, an alcoholic beverage to celebrate tonight. Let's put it that way. But um, no, I and just to kind of wrap up my thoughts here and, and to go off in a more positive direction, um, the amount of talent the Cubs have is incredible. So we can talk all we want about Hap, Amora, Schwarber, all these guys under twenty six years old, including you know KB and these up and coming prospects, even in, in Class A and Double A. They still have an incredible amount of saturated talent. It's now hoping to translate that into consistency. And unfortunately, right now, they just haven't done that. But it doesn't mean they are restricted where they can't do that. And you have one of the most, I think, flexible and open-mindedness and progressive front offices in the league that they can figure it out. And the answers are not obvious to us, as they might have been in 2016, but this team, in my mind, is going to look very different come February of 2019. And I think there's a sense of relief and comfort knowing that we're looking at these issues from as an outsider looking in. Theo and his team are in the meat of it. They have every detail you wish you could have known. And they probably have very tangible solutions that we can't offer. And I think you can take comfort in that, Corey. Yeah, I, I I think it'll be an interesting off season to to follow because I think you know we all kind of even you know prior to it being the actual off season I think kind of had a sort of presumed way that this might all be playing out and it seems at least fairly possible that that is not the case. So again, that is why uh, I'm not really sure uh, how long we've been talking here, but it feels like we're approaching you're at the uh, 75th minute marker oh that's not even that long i thought we were i thought we would be pushing a record but 
<laughs> this actually is a record. Uh, no, it's not a record. I, I think but... it's 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 a nuanced topic, and uh, you know we've been reading plenty of thoughts. I at least for some of our listeners, I'm already well aware of what your thoughts are on you know any potential uh, financial limits or anything like that 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 may be imposed. Uh, but, you know, we'd be curious to hear what you guys think. Uh, so, you know, uh, you can, can let us know that as always, uh, because there, there's a lot of wide ranging opinions. I mean, you, you know, you see opinions from people who are like, I don't, I don't think that they should get Bryce Harper in the first place. So who cares? You know, and that's, you know, a, a, a whatever segment of the population that really isn't phased by this news. So, um, it's it's a bit of a spectrum here, but yeah, it's uh, it certainly it certainly makes you think that it's 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 going to be a, a roller coaster of a ride here in in this off season because I, I think any of us would be very shocked if there were not some significant changes just with the way that things played out and and the language that we heard from the front office. So uh, what that ultimately entails is going to be fairly interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, but we are in that, we are in that period here. I mean, things can, can really happen at any moment here. So, uh, we will, we will stay on the ready for that stuff. Uh, and, you know, ultimately hop back on here, you know, as soon as we have some stuff to talk about, but it does kind of feel like we're in that area now where stuff is going to start coming out, perhaps on a daily basis as far as the rumor mill is concerned. Uh, and, you know, the heat's just going to keep getting dialed up, Brendan. So, so before, before you sign off here, Corey, I, I, I don't want to forget about this. The GM meetings start on Monday. Um, this is different from the winter meetings. This was added, what is it, two years ago that the GM meetings were actually installed. Uh, so they, they meet Monday through Wednesday probably to lay the groundwork of what the offseason could be. So there's a very strong likelihood you're going to get a lot of more information, a lot of rumors circulating as soon as you as you stop listening to this podcast on your Monday morning commute. There's a very likely possibility you're going to hear a lot this week. Yeah. So I think at least for now, that is all we have for you. Um, I don't know if this episode makes you guys feel better Worse, who knows? It probably depends on how much you really wanted Bryce Harper or Manny Machado uh, and how much you believe some of these rumors that are coming out. But uh, regardless, since we haven't talked to you guys since last week, I would be remiss. I, you know, I know I mentioned the World Series uh, parade being on you know the the two year anniversary of us recording this on Sunday November fourth, uh, but we of course are two days removed from the actual anniversary of the Chicago Cubs winning the World Series. So I would be remiss if I did not specifically mention that uh, the Cubs as you guys did win the World Series. Correct? Yeah, yes. as you guys guys yeah. might remember, uh, they overcame a three one deficit against the Cleveland Indians to win the World Series. To win yeah. the World Series. Yep. Um, on the the strength of a wonderful outing from Kyle Hendricks and two amazingly clutch hits from Ben Zobrist and Miguel Montero. Wow, of course, you did not give Lester any uh, shout-out there in that Game 7, Corey? You almost skipped him. Um, I'm embarrassed for Well, you. no. I mean, I, I, I haven't mentioned plenty of things that happened in that game that were important, but I, I think uh, that Kyle Hendricks was the real star in that game, if we're, we're looking from uh, a pitching perspective. 
but, you know, of course, Dexter Fowler leads off Game 7 with a home run. Javi Baez hits a home run in that game. Wilson Contreras has a big hit in that game. David Ross takes Andrew Miller deep. And then, yes, of course, John Lester uh, does get in there and get some very important outs after recovering uh, from that mess of a play that allows two runs to score. Um, and yeah, the Cubs won the World Series. So as we're talking about this offseason, you can't can't really forget that because we could always be the Dodgers who lost two in a row uh, or in a much, much darker timeline, everybody. At least we're not the New York Mets, okay? At least you root for a team that is not the New York Mets. I think we can all uh, sleep pretty comfortable at night knowing that. But I think that's all we have for you. So uh, we, again, we will uh, get back to you uh perhaps next week, perhaps twice this week. It's, it's, it's hard to say. This stuff is coming out uh, pretty rapidly. We could get back to you tomorrow, for all I know. I, Bryce Harper could be a Cub tomorrow, and you know now we're looking at the Cubs having to shed $40 million in payroll. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, so just stick with us, as always. Brendan is at Cubs Related on Twitter. That is also the handle of our Instagram, though that is me you would be speaking to on there. Uh, and I am at CF Cubs Related. You can also follow the Cubs Insider handle at Real Cubs Insider. But yeah, we will uh, keep you guys up to date uh, when we need to. And, you know, as I've kept saying, like we're, we're, we're trying to make sure that uh, we're not wasting anybody's time and just rambling on here. So uh, we don't really want to get on here if there's not... Uh, some real substance to talk about. So uh, just stick with us. The off season is obviously a little less predictable for us as well as you guys. Uh, but we do uh, really, I think no matter what, we like to get that one out on Monday morning, kind of start that work week off uh, for everybody uh, with the Cubs related podcast. Uh, but other than that, I think that's, that, I think that's it. Uh, so this has been the Cubs related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. As always, you can find us on iTunes, the Apple Podcasts app. We, as always, very much appreciate the five stars and comments that you guys continue to leave. That means a lot to us and is very nice of you guys to take the time to do. We are also available on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and uh, again, the the Blog Talk radio feed has switched to a service called Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R, so you can find that there. Again, we thank you guys very much for listening each and every episode, and whether they are playing or not, go Cubs. Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. Naira Bets players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200.